The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Arlen Suderman joins us with FC Stone, and it is a market day that is a sweltering one in more ways than one as we look what's been happening in the trade. Arlen, you and I were just talking. It may be hot across the Midwest, and about the only thing that's happy about this heat is the corn. And you literally can almost watch it grow. It is it's just the right vari- or environment, shall I say, for that crop. Yeah. Absolutely, and uh, when you when you look at the corn plant, it'll end up with what about twenty leaf collars uh, before it goes into pollination, and and uh, some of that bigger corn with some of the heat that we've had will add a leaf collar every day, or excuse me, every two or three days. So it's adding some height very quickly, and and especially more in the southern Midwest, Missouri, across Illinois, and into Indiana. I think is where we've seen uh, the highest number of above normal GDDs, growing degree day units accumulated. That's above normal. Of course, here in Nebraska, growing degree day units are pretty steep this time of year anyway, and and we're just adding to that. So it is growing fast. It's taking advantage of those conditions to try to catch up after a late start across the Midwest. And ironically, after that late start, if we now look at the growing degree day units that we've had since the crop went in the ground and i'm talking midwest as a whole here now uh, and what's projected we're really looking at a crop that's going to pollinate yes in a fairly narrow window but pretty close to normal times for the midwest as a whole so the bulk of the crop is going to be vulnerable really in that july 10 to july 30 time period which is fairly typical although we're going to have some southern midwest corn and in into uh, Nebraska even um, uh, pollinating much sooner than that. So uh, uh, we're going to have to watch, make sure we don't have a heat wave. Right now the forecast is calling for temperatures to really moderate in the last half of February for the bulk of the Midwest, maybe not quite so much here in the western part of the Midwest, but for the bulk of the Midwest. Uh, and uh, hopefully those moderate temperatures will hold on through that pollination period. Well, you know, you talk about the, the pollination period, talk about the crop progress report that came out on a Monday. Even though we saw a one percentage drop in the corn for this last week, it's still nothing to, to cry about with some, some record numbers coming in there. Yeah, second highest crop rating for this time of year on record, and those records go back to 1986 that USDA has been giving the rating, so that's a little over 30 years. For soybeans, it was the highest start to the growing season on record as far as crop rating. So starting off, that doesn't mean that we're looking at 185 bushel corn yield or a 55 bushel soybean yield. Uh, The correlation statistically between the ratings um, the first week of June and final yield is almost non-existent. It's very poor. I can point to uh, other similar high-ranked condition ratings that saw above-trend yields and that saw below-trend yields. And so the correlation is very weak, and I know some people are throwing yields out there, and I've refrained from doing so on our yield models to this point because it's really irrelevant. What really matters 
is um, July and August. That that's what really matters in shaping the yield for our corn and soybean crops. So I had a producer that was wondering: Are we setting ourselves up for disappointment because we've had such you know record numbers already set this early in the growing season? Uh, very possibly. We we simply don't know yet. Um, it really comes down, as I said, to that July and August weather. Now, I know that there are some people out there in the social media who are putting up some forecast maps that look pretty intimidating for July and August. Most specifically, this week we saw the, the Euro monthly forecast models come out calling for this heat that's been focused on the central third of the country uh, to really lock in place for the rest of the summer. Um, and so we need to respect that possibility, but I'm talking to our forecasters at Commodity Weather Group. They say when you look at those forecast maps that came out of those models, European model, and compare them to what we see in the dynamics at the 500 millibar level and compare them to the analog years, they simply don't make sense. And the pattern we continue to look back at is when you have above normal sea surface temperatures off the west coast and then stretching toward Hawaii as we do this year, there is a a strong propensity for more mild conditions across the Midwest and good rainfall. And at this point, it's looking like we're going to move more in that direction in the last half of July, excuse me, last half of June and into July. Um, so that's what we're watching closely to see if that actually verifies as we get later this month. Some frustration, I guess, is the best word to use on this wheat harvest as we, we move through Oklahoma into Kansas? Yeah, very frustrating with the drought and the freeze damage. When we first got into the drought areas in southwest Oklahoma, yields are said to be better than expected, but that's because most of the lower-yielding wheat have been abandoned in fact, there's a number of elevators in the western half of the state are saying they hope they get in at least 10% of their normal receipts of wheat. As the harvest has got into northern Oklahoma, the test weights have started to drop off. Now it's into uh, south-central Kansas and the very southern tier counties in Kansas. We know of one story uh, where it took three combines three hours just to fill a truck of wheat. That's crazy. Yeah, and that shows how, how low yielding the wheat is in the area. I was going to say, there's not even a, a word to describe the frustration for that farmer when you've got custom harvesters going through and you're trying to bring a crop in. Yeah, and we're hearing that some custom harvesters just sitting trying to find some business, and it, it's just the harvest is going too fast. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Arlen Suderman, of course, is joining us. We're going to talk a little bit of ebb and flow, some fun support. Also have a listener question, Arlen, to pass along to you. Stick around. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Susan Littlefield. Arlen Suderman joins us with FC Stone as we take a look and continue to dive into the markets. I did want to talk about the a little bit about the ebb and flow of fund support for these commodities. You said there's been some pressure as of late for them. Yeah, certainly there has been, and a lot of that's been because the crude oil's been in a real collapse of late, and uh, that's largely because uh, reports have come out that the U.S. government has asked Saudi Arabia and other OPEC nations to consider increasing output by uh, roughly a million barrels per day and so uh, speculative funds who had built record 
uh, large long or bot positions in the energy sector are now liquidating those positions. So we're seeing a lot of pressure, and it tends to be a leading indicator for the broader commodity sector. But if you take the major commodity indices, which are these baskets of commodities of which the ags are a part, uh, and chart them, uh, we've really been on a, uh, a with contained within a channel, an upward trending channel since late June of last year. So it lasts 11 and a half months or so. And every time we get up toward the top of that channel, something comes along like this uh, to stimulate profit-taking in the commodities. And we've done it, I don't know, three, four, five times, depending on how you count some of the correction. And these have been painful corrections within the commodity sector, but each time the bottom of the channel has held, and uh, we've rallied back. And so right now we're seeing those headwinds uh, from this commodity liquidation. You talk to fund managers, they still have an attitude of commodity inflation because the global economy is is growing and demanding more commodities. There's still, I don't see anything changed in those dynamics, but right now it's creating some headwinds for the grain and oil seeds, and the only commodity currently that has a story to counter that is wheat because of harvest uh, confirming the low yields in the plain. We had a listener question. I do apologize to Gavin that we didn't get to his question yesterday. But as we look at trade negotiations and and discussions, I know that there's a lot of uncertainty. We see a lot of headline news, Arlen, and whether it's NAFTA or discussions with China, specifically with Mexico, many do wonder, is there a little uh, play going on with headlines affecting the way our markets trade and the way that everybody kind of looks at the commodities in general? Yeah, well, the, the headlines certainly do move the markets, and uh, so it does make you wonder. You know, I think there's speculation that people out there or some of these governments may be trading as headlines in order for their benefit. You know, we'll never know the answer to that. Um, but uh, uh, one of the observations I'd make, though, is that these same headlines in February had a much bigger impact on the markets than what they do in June. And I think the market is becoming a little bit desensitized to some of the news now and uh, starting to say, well, this is just more of the rhetoric coming out from both sides uh, and it's it's part of the positioning for the negotiation on both sides now. And uh, they're, they're kind of moving on and so the impact of a day-to-day is not what it once was. Does it limit the upside? Yeah, it does. Uh, but uh, we're not getting as big a swings now as what we did earlier this year. Makes me wonder, as you you look at the discussion that came out late yesterday with Mexico, how much of that is really going to be factored into the way the hogs are trading? Is there going to be a sense of panic and uncertainty when you see the the percentage of tariffs that they're talking and the products that they're targeting? Yeah, it's pretty significant uh, when you look at it. Uh, and what do we do? We went down, we tested the bottom of the uh, trading range that we'd been, that's been holding us for the last month or so, and we bounced right back off of it, and we spent uh, uh, much of the next two sessions then rallying off it, going up to the top of the trading range. Uh, so the market seemed, that, I think that was one of the big pleasant surprises was the pork market after those Mexico counter-tariffs. And, and what has it come out of it? Mexico with the fragile economy has just put a significant upward pressure on their food inflation pressures ahead of a presidential election. I think the president there felt like he had to do something and wanted to do something right as the Pork Expo was meeting in Des Moines, Iowa, thinking he would get political pressure on Trump, and I think it's backfired. 
and uh, so obviously none of us want to see a trade war to see these problems. Um, but frankly, if you look at each of the trading partners that we're in, their economies are far more fragile than what ours is and uh, has far more to lose. And so hopefully this will bring everyone to the table and uh, end up with a better deal in the end. What are your thoughts on how the cattle have been trading today? You know, that I first uh, thought yesterday or day before we were getting some spreading between the cattle and hog support, and then it's kept going up. And really, we're, we're starting to see the feeders get emboldened here, thinking they've got some leverage and some higher cash cattle prices. And being that they're already higher than the board, uh, that's giving some upward leverage. And so we broke out of the top side above resistance. It was a good, good day overall. Well, folks want to reach out, talk more with you, Arlen, follow you through social media. What's the best way to reach you? INTLFCStone.com or Twitter.com slash ArlenFF101. Especially with this wheat harvest underway, you're not going to want to miss those tweets. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.